Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming for the Cat Cave in Warwick, Rhode Island. This is a really great episode. We have Sean Cologne and the introduction of producer Will as our uh, fellow fellow host with me, and Will did a great job. This episode came out really fun. Uh, so I met Sean about five years ago. He was at the time crowdfunding for the for the documentary Off at Wreck. It has since come out. And it's fucking incredible. If uh, Sean and I had not met through the podcast, I still would have watched A Fat Wreck because I watched tons of documentaries, especially music ones. Uh, and A Fat Wreck is definitely one of my favorite documentaries. I really love what Sean and his team did with the style. Uh, so, you know, Sean and I had like kind of kept touch over over the years and turned out we ended up would then end up having some same friends in our, in our podcast community. He would then meet, uh, I guess... Before I even knew them, the Chuck and Brad guys, I uh, love those dudes. They've you know been on here and invite friends. So that was just such a small world, and just you know a lot's happened in five years. Sean was having this like it must. It's a cool experience for someone like him. Like he was, you know, trying to make this documentary, and who knew what happened? It could have sucked, and then now he's turning. He that was like a moment where his it became his career, and then we get to talk five years later, like this victory lap. It's so full circle. And now here I am five years later for the first time ever being like, hey, maybe this podcast thing could happen, and then talking to someone who had like a job and a kid and a life, and then they had this opportunity to make a documentary, and then it, things change. It's really inspiring. Uh, so this is a really fun episode. So this episode was recorded prior to everything. I think we even recorded this pre-corona outbreak in the United States. So if this next hour will be an hour away from pretty much current conver- of conversations about coronavirus and what's happening, I do want to say thank you to Sean and for the, the rest of the last chat team for being supportive in our participation in the podcast Blackout Week. Um, you know, there's a lot going on, but we wanted to show our solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement in any small way we could. So we wanted to participate in that. We also used the feed to release an episode of Business of Soul Searching with our friend and past guest, Aaron Alexander. I wanted to use, at least last week, I wanted to put the feed out, use my podcast feed and my voice, no matter how big or small, to, you know, elevate or, or, or just help echo black podcasters because we can help build our community. Listen, I know there's a lack of diversity on Let's Chat, and my team and I have discussed it. And we're going to move forward, and we're definitely something we're going to work on to try to bring you a more diverse group of guests. But thank you to everyone for their support. Another just quick housekeeping. Um, uh, Sean is also a... um, turns out we're both in the same Facebook group called Punk Rock Dads, which I tell you what, if you are a punk rock dad, you have to join this. I don't generally say this about Facebook groups. It's really nice. The people in there are really cool, and I've met a lot of really nice people and kind of come across some bands I've loved and be like, oh, you're in this group? So uh, I think that's pretty fun. But uh, so Sean, fellow punk rock dad, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for that. Um, so let's uh, make sure you find Sean online. Um, open-ended Films is the website, openendedfilms.com, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Vimeo, all that good stuff. Will, you can find at Will Forcier. We'll put everything on our brand new website, letschatpodcast.net. Thank you to Brianna of Brianna ben- uh, Benjamin and Design and More for making us our amazing website. Now there's merch, there's ways you can donate. There's gonna, we, we've got a lot of stuff coming in on the pipeline. Um, we're at let's chat podcast and all the things, but you know, let's chat podcast.net is going to have everything. And also check us out on Spotify. Now we have some really fun Spotify playlist of, uh, past episodes. We have themed, we have a playlist of just like thousands of songs that we all like to listen to. And uh, we also have, uh, episode, 
podcast episode theme Spotify playlist. So like uh, most uh, recent episode with like Benny from Gaslight Anthem, it's a playlist of the Benny with Benny's music bands he's played in, or Pete from Streetlight, or Matt from the Get Up Kids, some past punk rock folk. Um, really fun. So thanks to Chris Ball, our one of the producers, for helping us out with making those. Um, anyway. Six, I'm not good at 20, years. 2016 is when the movie came out. Like it, yeah, November were, of 2016. Yeah, and you were you had just, I believe, crowd. I, the thing that stands out in my head is that you were you had hit crowdfunding, and you were going to get you were going to get more because you wanted to put puppets in it. Oh, so yeah, that was like 2015. That was yeah. a long time ago, man. Holy shit! And thank fucking well, it didn't matter because it was a podcast. So I was like, oh, whatever. You you're, you seemed like a cool dude. But how lucky am I that I did that? And then the documentary came out and it's fucking good. Like, oh, well, that, thank you. Man. Really good. I've honestly watched it about five times, I would say. I'm a huge documentary fan. Like, I, oh, I, I love hearing that, man. Yeah. I love, it, we really did build it for rewatchability because I like, I like The Simpsons. I like Futurama. I like shows. I mean, there's like a lot of little, I don't even remember all of them, but there's a lot of little hidden Easter eggs. So there's a one interview with uh, Jason Heller, uh, like, and he's standing in front of a, a, like a, a building. And that building is where a propaganda riot happened where they had to call the police. It was in Colorado. So we set up a f- and filmed right in front of it. It's a, like, a, what do you call it? It's um, not it's a veteran's place. What do they call that? Uh, like like a, a VFW? Yeah, it's a VFW. But it's where like there was a riot for propaganda and propaganda was playing that's why we were up in Colorado filming. We did the interviews for Propaganda and I interviewed Jason Heller, but we framed it. So the VF, that VFW hall is in the shot. So it's like a little like, oh, Easter egg. That's so incredible. So it's been cool. Cause I've been following you online since then, like since that's come out. And like, I think, am I correct that JP Flexer did your uh, design work for the shirt or the art? Is yeah, that- he did sort of, he did it on the back end. Um, okay. I think the hoodie you have that has a little, uh, like, uh, you know, the, the, the reel and it says the, the okay, back. Yeah. Yeah. He had made that and I saw it online and I approached him. I was like, Hey, that's really awesome. Can I pay you money so I can print that on stuff? And he was like, fuck yeah. Cause so. I, it was, he, I had, he was on here too. I think it was, but it was separate from that when I remember seeing his name. Cause when I had interviewed him some years back, it was cause he was in beach slang. And then I think he had since left the band and, focus more on graphics but real cool dude but like i was and then i remember I got to, it was like it was so cool like like because um like like i don't know i get to interview you i get to interview uh greg as well so like felt like so connected to the movie but then i saw it like at least to the point where i like felt like enough of disassociation where i could actually watch it as just art you can't you know what's you, you i'm I, I i'm assuming you're gonna know who this is i felt like you have um like a comedic sensibility of like billy corbin like did you see screwball no he did uh, Cocaine Cowboys. I think I've heard of it. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, uh, he, he, Screwball is fucking great. Uh, no, Cocaine Cowboys. 
is Cocaine Cowboys 2, I think, is maybe it's, like, one of my top. It might be my favorite. That and the OJ are, like, my top two, like, rotate from my favorite ones ever made. I watch a lot. But, like, he's very he's very quick with the fast like, fast editing and just where, where you're, like, a fat wreck. And obviously, I want to talk about Age Audio uh, as well. But, like, a fat wreck where, like, a documentary could just be a bunch of talking heads. What I loved about what you do with your narrative within a fat wreck, and I'm so excited for you to do with uh, Age of Audio, is it wasn't that at all. You had, you introduced the music, you had like the Nintendo stuff and you had the, uh, like you would have the puppet Fat Mike and like, and, and Billy Corbin is kind of very unique for that of taking like a, a story and just, he'll take the craziest stories. They all take place in Florida. You know, all of us are insane. And um, right. for his new one, his screwball was all about like the steroids with um, A-Rod and Major League Baseball. Okay. So what they did was when they would have like the, the they would tell him the story about like A-Rod and all those people and stuff. He would have high, he held, he hired children actors to play A-Rod doing all that stuff. So oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> we almost had kids instead of puppets, but oh. kids, uh, I, we had a few ideas float around, but the puppets, they were a lot easier to just, I think it worked. We didn't have to, we didn't have to worry about, we could just reshoot stuff. Like yeah. we had them made, we could do whatever we wanted with them. And it wasn't like we had to get a bunch of people together, get permission. And then and it was also a little edge case because, you know, there's some things the punk rockers are doing that may not want kids to do. So, hey everybody, I'm your new podcast buddy. Oh, uh, it's hey, producer. Will. <laughs> Will, you did the artwork. You did a bunch of artwork, right? You did the the did you do Game Boy stuff that I saw. Yeah, that's yes. all. Well, yeah, that was yeah, funny. very cool, man. And the, the Milo Milo listens to podcasts. That was a yeah. silly idea I had. Uh, like, and then Will made it. Uh, he's actually. I just started building a team, and Will and I we just started working together about a month ago. There was a a few year lull of the show where I uh, almost quit and then kind of brought it back. And then uh, Will and I met through Twitter and it turned out we lived near each other. And now we're, uh, we're, we're going for it. We're going for it for real. Awesome. Really I remember, I, I, I think I was, cause I mean, I, we're friends on Facebook. And so like, oh, yeah. I feel like I feel, sometimes I feel like I know everybody. Cause I think you were going through some tough times. Yeah. And, and, and so like, you kind of put, put things on the back burner there. Um, I was well, glad yeah. when, you, when you ramped things back up. I mean, that's oh, a great you. thing. So. Yeah, depression's a motherfucker. Um, yeah, my uh, my wife sure. is a, a a therapist, so no way. Oh, so. she does art therapy, and she she actually battles with uh, anxiety and depression a little bit too. So um, tell her about EMDR therapy if she doesn't do it already, and I could I, I won't waste your time on this episode, but I could talk about it for hours. But it is the reason that I didn't quit the podcast. Essentially, it changed my life. It's oh, that's incredible. so great, man. I know that's really 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 challenging, and like I have a lot of um a lot of sympathy and empathy for people who go through that so i'm, I'm really glad that you're back making stuff again oh, making the podcast again i mean it's you know never it's been so a better fun. time to have podcasting right right except no one listens to them anymore but i feel like i don't that's gonna be a that we'll, we'll see what happens with that i had that same thing happen to me last night while i was interviewing um it's like a really big deal for me i had um my friend john who plays in folly but we uh, he brought on um, uh, Pete, who plays in Streetlight Manifesto, which is like one of my favorite fucking bands of all time. Yeah, my and wife's I, favorite band too. Yeah. Oh no way! Oh, yeah, that's awesome. She's gonna like it. What a what a cool guy. What a not what I expected. Um, I'm gonna be honest. He was like a legit band geek who doesn't come from the scene at all, and just oh man, like le- But I mean, as sweet as possibly could be. Like I, it only only confirmed my love of Streetlight more. It's like oh yeah, they're actually they're like musicians, musicians. Yeah. Fucking huge, man. Right. Like, they're a massive fucking band. Uh, but they have jobs, which I did not know. That, like, blew my mind. 
They're like, he was like, he's like a teacher for, for kids with special education. And then like his weekend, like, well, I'll let that episode come out in a few weeks. But like, it was just, I was just like, what? Dude, the dudes from Good Riddance all have jobs. I mean, what's face? I think Russ works at Apple Store or something. <laughs> That's so crazy. I know. I keep I keep going on about a uh, census fail, but they're um. Uh, I can't remember if he's a guitarist or a bassist right now, but uh, Greg Stiliatis, I believe that's how it's pronounced. He's a realtor. You can, yeah, you can oh, legit, wow. yeah, you can legit buy a house from him in upstate New York, I believe. I mean, that's kind of smart. Yeah. Where you can make your own. yeah. My cousin, um, when she was last time I saw her touring, her bandmate was um an ally was like a therapist, a private practice therapist. So they could like take, and she was like, you know, drum teacher at that point. So she could like take off for like two weeks here and there. I mean, I'm an Uber driver. Yeah. I was going to, I wanted to ask, so one of the things I really want, I, I did that for a minute as well. I'm curious to see um, since the, uh, so what, since we've talked last time, what's happened post a fat wreck? Cause I got to talk to you right before it came out. Movie comes out. It's fucking great. I followed it all on Facebook and um, I followed all you online and stuff. You had so many premieres and you got to travel and like, you got to do some really cool shit with it. And now you're like, your, your job is a filmmaker. Cause at that time you were like, where I'm at, we're like, job having or trying to have a side hustle and now it's like your job eh. <laughs> uh i would say i mean there is income that comes from the movie but i mean the, the movie ended up costing about a hundred thousand dollars to make so uh and uh, i mean i only if you remember the, the crowdfunding that was around 30 i think thirty-five thousand, and then plus the second one so maybe maybe 40 something total and then if you got to take out the taxes you got to take out the amount that they take you got to take out all the perks and so like really that's only around maybe 25 27,000 and the uh so out of that 100,000 I had a you know I formed a company uh open-ended films LLC right right in the beginning just so I could write off all that money because it's considered taxable income um so the rest of that money had to like be generated from somewhere and so I I, I maxed out a business credit card essentially and then um we did screenings we did like uh 70 screenings around the world that i booked like myself like individual with like small venues and, and small independent theaters and that raised somewhere like fourteen thousand dollars something like that and then we did i sold uh i mean we were very lucky and we got distribution uh through uh, the orchard and they put up around $12,000 uh, up front. Um, but all that, all that money went right back into paying off the movie. And then when you do distribution, there's a lot of costs involved and things have to be set to a certain standard. There's, a th there's lawyers you have to get involved. I mean, I had to get three different kind of lawyers um, for the, what's called E&O and insurance, which is errors and emissions. So if you sell it to, oh, and I say sell it, I actually license it. It's a, a licensing type of thing. I own the movie. And I license it out to the distributor, but to protect them and to protect the other people down the line, like uh, Apple or, you know, or Amazon, whoever, you know, puts it on the streaming service, you have to have this E&O insurance, which is really complicated. You have to go through everything that shows up in the movie on screen, uh, any pictures, any video, any music, any, anything has to be accounted for. So there's a, like a 3000 line document that we had to like, okay, this person, okay, this is their, you know, I have, I have their paper that says they can be in the movie. I have, you know, 
each song has to have two or three different kind of pieces of paper. I mean, it's really a lot of fucking work. It's, you it's have ins- so many fucking like um, <laughs> songs in that movie too. Like they're just the it's 120 of songs. You you took every band. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a viewer, it's great, but like from knowing a little bit about your industry, being like, fuck, that sounds awful. Like, I don't a- know. What were you thinking? As a producer, I, I have to jump in real quick and just, just have a, a quick serious talk with Chris. Hey, Chris, you see three lawyers just to make a movie? Yeah. Do you really want to go through and get a cease and desist letter from somebody on artwork? Come on, man. Yeah, it's good PR. <laughs> yeah, but, but a cease and desist, all you got to do is stop. Yeah, you just got to That's desist. all you do. I mean, and then, and, then right. you, and then you publish the letter, like, look what these Jags did. Like, <laughs> yeah. The only, from my understanding, I mean, I'm sure you could get one. I think it's uh, they come after you if you start trying to profit off those things. So, like, if we start making right. merch with like that Milo thing that we made is awesome, but like, I'm like, I'm not, I wouldn't put that on a shirt. That's that's just a fun thing to put on the internet. And yeah, please, I, thank I, you. I drew it with the pen. Yeah. Yeah, you'd probably be okay. <laughs> you're go, you're okay when I'm in punk rock, man. Well, it's I, if, good. You, yeah. Yeah. If, you, if if you reached out to the, like, can't remember who who's that? Wasn't that Chris? What's his name? Uh. The guy that does all the Milo work, artwork. Oh, I don't know. There's a, I'm guy, sure I'm he would sure, think it's hilarious. I'm, and I'm sure he'd be fine with you. But, and then you could just throw him a cut. You're like, here. Well, you know. Yeah. But yeah, you know. But, yeah, my, Theoretically. Our, Theoretically. Our, my, my joke is uh, that uh, we, I, I, kept, I keep pushing Will to do like some Baby Yoda Let's Chat stuff because I want to get a uh, cease and desist from Disney. I like trying to find the companies who are the most litigious. And I, from my understanding, it's Disney. Yeah, but they're... They, uh, that, I don't even think they were that litigious about that stuff. Cause I mean, there's so much shit being made. Yeah. I wonder. But um, yeah, so the, that, that, that all went down. Um, we also had a, um, now the people who did our movie, distributed our movie was uh, at the time called the orchard. They've since split off and they, they're called 1901 or something like that now, but it's the same uh, distrib- distribution that put out Taika Waititi's movies which was very oh, cool. nice. Uh, and um, they put up upfront money. They're really cool. One of the guys, our connect there, he was one of the, one of the, our person we dealt with there contributed, had contributed to the Indiegogo. He was a punk rock guy. No I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, all those festivals that we played, if the move, if we submitted to a festival and the person that was viewing them was a punk rock, like a punk rock band we were in, we were just so in. So it really came down to someone was a Fat Records fan, and there's a lot of them that exist in the entertainment industry um, that are like secret, not secret, but you know, like they're like people who are punk rock fans. And so, uh, and and the other little secret about film festivals, like after you get one or two of the, the, the decent sized ones, they start contacting you. That's awesome. And uh, and actually, like a lot of the European ones, they start paying for screenings. So nice. like not not a lot, you know, but a little bit. Uh, um, um, so we did that, and the cool thing they also did is they uh, carved out a, uh, we had a separate distributor for just Japan, um, which is called King Records, and they did a full theatrical run in Japan. They made merch, tote bags, shirts, hoodies, like all this crazy stuff. Like this, the, the market there is just so different, but they, they gave us like $12,000 up front. That's um, awesome. It sounds awesome, but that's just to pay off the movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. That's so, that, I'm not a business person. I'm like, oh, like, I can buy that toys. No, that doesn't that doesn't come to me. That went right back into paying for the sure. movie stuff uh, and paying off. And even 
like, I mean, I'm still technically in debt for the movie. Like, um, you know, there's still a little bit of that money that like that credit card still hasn't been fully been paid off yet because I paid off about half of it and then turned around and started working on another movie. So started, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. And I start, and uh, over the last, uh, when we got on Amazon Prime, I think last year, um, which gave us worldwide distribution, I, uh, I had the movie translated into German and uh, it, when it hit Germany, it did real well there and I got a pretty decent sized check. So I started paying out some of the people who had volunteered their time, some of the top level people um, who had, you know, Joel, my, uh, my uh, producing partner, good friend and, you know, one of my good friends. So I was able to pay him a few thousand, a couple thousand bucks. That's so you know, cool. And um, which I considered part of the cost of the movie. So that's uh, that uh, Fat Wreck Records uh, ethics within you right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, we didn't do it to make money. We did it because we wanted to do it. And the fact that it got as far as it did was just crazy. <laughs> so uh, just to your bridge version, Will, do you, I'm not sure if you know, um, the way your whole documentary started, uh, Sean, if you want to tell you, it's like you're, basically it was kind of really started because of an unintentional email, which I still think like your whole life just changed by accidentally getting that email. Oh yeah. Uh, oh gosh. Uh, so this was actually the very, like their first big project that we took on to, that we wanted to make. And it was going to be originally just a little documentary short so we could learn how to make stuff. Uh, and I had never made a movie before. I mean, I'd barely even shot anything before. And uh, so we started making it, but I guess some previous information is that I've been an audio engineer for a long time, uh, since about 2004. And here in Dallas, we have a small recording studio called Dang Studios. And several years ago, um, back in the MySpace days, that lets you know how long ago it was, um, I saw that Joey Cape was coming and doing like a acoustic tour thing. Uh, and so I hit, reached out to him and said, hey, if you guys are in town, you can you know, have a place you can chill out while you're here. Like there's a small town called Denton, just north of Dallas here. And they're about 30 minutes away from each other. And so I saw that one date was in Dallas and the next one was in Denton. So I reached out, I was like, hey, we got this recording studio. Um, even if you don't record anything, you can come hang out. It's a good you know, place. And he uh, invited me to a show and we chatted and he just, uh, you know, ended up asking to, if we could record a song. So we, I recorded a song with Joey uh, for free, of course. Um, so fucking crazy cool. It was ridiculous. I can't, I can't believe that happened. I mean, still, it's crazy. Um, but during that process, we were emailing back and forth for the mixed notes and stuff like that. And that happened. It was really cool. And that was like ended. And then I think it was like almost two years later, I got a, uh, an email um, saying, hey, Lagwagon Tour, Sean, do you want to play guitar? And it wasn't to me. It was actually meant for another Sean one of their old guitar Sean's, uh, but he had accidentally included me on this email thread. And in that email thread, was like Fat Mike's email, like Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters email, <laughs> all, all those guys. And, wow. um, and I mean, even though at the time I had a punk rock band and I still do, but I mean, I didn't reach out about that because that's lame, you know, like, hey, check out my band. So I just kind of set that aside and kind of, I was like, there'll be a moment where I'll be able to, you know, this is good to have, you know. And then when we first went out to Punk Rock Bowling to shoot the first stuff for um, the Fat Rec Doc, I, uh, um, I went out there and filmed some stuff, and I actually used Twitter to get some interviews and stuff like that. 
uh, we put together a teaser, and I thought it would be weird to put out uh, a that record documentary thing, even though it was about like how they influenced people. It wasn't necessarily going to be about that record directly. Um, no worries. Um, I thought it'd be weird to just put it out without letting them know. So I figured, hey, this is a good opportunity to use that email. And so I, uh, I basically reached out to Fat Mike and was like, hey, I made this thing. I'm going to put it out tomorrow. <laughs> thought you should know. Uh, and uh, he just emailed back, looks cool. So um, I kind of took that as a tacit endorsement, uh, which it wasn't. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I would have done the same. Well, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't like, don't do that. You know, it was like, or yeah. no, you know, it was so, so basically like, that's how, you know, I, and then when I put that out, it got a pretty good reaction. Cause I should also say I have a small punk rock record label called Bang Records and we had been putting out stuff. So I had some relationships with some uh, punk rock, smaller punk rock blogs and things like that. So, um, so yeah, the, it, within, after I put that out, it got a good response. And then I think two or three months later, they were coming through Dallas. So I hit Mike up and I was like, hey, you're coming through Dallas. Why don't you do an interview for the thing? And I didn't hear anything back from that initial request. But right before they were going to be here uh, in Dallas, I sent uh, another email and I uh, got another email back. And I said, hey, do you want to do an interview? And I got one. Sure. That's all they need. No, like, time or anything. But he ended up doing the, uh, the interview, and, uh, and that's when we decided to do the crowdfunding thing. I think uh, once we had Fat Mike, it was kind of like, that's kind of that's like, oh, I should say this. Here's the other crazy story. So I went out to Punk Rock Bowling, and at the time, I was the marketing director for this talent development school. And it's where like uh, Demi Lovato and Jessica Simpson trained and things like that. Kids Bop. I like did some mentoring or social media mentoring with the Kids Bop kids for a little bit. You know, just it's kind of a part of my job. I want to hear you talk about that the whole time, but I know no one else does. So one of these days I would look, oh my God, I want a whole <laughs> side podcast on just that no. weird, that world. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, that world's really gross. I, I, That's what I thought. It's super gross. I mean, the kids were really cool. Those kids are really talented. I'll say that. But I mean, uh, but the point of that being, uh, they do these showcases for the kids in the school that um, for them to perform in front of producers and get feedback and potentially get deals and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I was planning because my job was to plan the event. And I, so I managed the entire event. So I, you know, uh, was doing the marketing for it you know, helping organize it and plan it and all that stuff. And I didn't realize it. One of the producers that they were bringing in was this guy named Ryan Green. And I just did not put two and two together. And Ryan Green was the guy who did all the early Fat Records, uh, like all the fat re first Fat Records records. Um, he also, he's in the movie. He's the one who does the, the drum, drum sound. Uh, with the good hair. Yeah, in the studio. Yeah, and uh, he had co-owned a studio with Mike too. You know what I mean? So when I got back, I was like, so I had gone started this documentary not knowing that, and then I got back and I realized who it was, and it was like the week after I got back. So he was b literally being flown to me, and I was the person picking him up to the airport and <laughs> you know, 
So I, when he got in, I was like, hey, I'm making this Fat Records documentary. Would you do a little thing? And he was like, of course. It's a super sweetheart, really great guy, really cool guy. Um, and he was totally down. I think that's probably why Mike, when I showed it to Mike, having Ryan Green in that. I mean, I'll just say this. Any movie that gets made is a fucking miracle. Mm. Because at any moment, something could prevent it from getting done. If, my, if it wouldn't have been Ryan Green in that thing, I don't know if Mike would have paid attention to it. If I wouldn't have gotten that email so that years ago, I don't know if I would have had that direct way to connect with Mike. Like, it's all improbable. <laughs> it's yeah. completely improbable. But, you know, you just kind of hope the luck doesn't run out. And, it, and you, you, you know, when you have that opportunity, you try to do everything you can to keep making it happen. Um, you know, uh, so that, that all those things helped. I mean, I, it was so much luck. So much luck. Yeah. <laughs> it's utterly insane. That's, have you ever heard that Oprah <laughs> quote that uh, there's no such thing as luck, it's just hard work met with opportunity? I, I mean, I was, I, was, I was prepared for it. You know, yeah. I mean, but, but the opportunity is the luck yeah. in that in, in that equation. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean we're taking Oprah down. Take it down. Canceled. Take it down a nudge, <laughs> Oprah. No, but it was you know it was it's it was it was pure kismet. You know the movie wanted to get made. Sure. It, it took on a life of its own. It kept things kept happening and presenting themselves. You also found a story because so I wasn't. Um, per se, like a Fat Records fan prior. Like, I liked him. I just didn't know much about it. I right. actually, per and it's going to sound weird, up until your documentary, I actually never liked Fat Mike, and I still, I'm just not an OFX person. It was never, that was never my world. And you, A, you humanized him, like, a lot, and everyone in it. But you found such a, a cooler story with about Aaron, the woman who runs it all behind the scenes, like, which, like, your document, I don't and oh my, I still can't believe you got fucking Chris Shiflett on your, on your doc. What a great guy, too, man. He was so cool. We went to his I, house and, like... Oh, my was, God. He just... Everyone in that doc, like... Where did you get your uh, interviewing chops at? Because uh, <laughs> you got some good stuff. Out. At least it was edited that way. But it was it was made. Like, like people were super open and, and like... It, it seems I, think it has a, I think it has a lot to do with the, the, the genre. I mean, I think the reason, like, kind of like with all the music stuff, like the fact that people were willing to let's give it the songs for really cheap and all that kind of stuff has to do with the, the reason I made the movie was the, the ethos of mm. that whole scene. Like, it's such uh, about community. And I mean, the movie's about chosen family and community and, and business ethics. And like, I think, you know, there was some skepticism. I mean, it took me 11 months to get Aaron to agree to do an interview. Wow. I mean, Erin was a holdout. She, she like, I, I don't think she was stoked on the fact that some outsider was telling the personal story of their thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that is uh, it, it, a personal thing. And it's kind of, you know, have someone come, some rando come and just start trying to tell a story of the thing that you've worked on for the past 20 years of your life, 20 to 25 years of your life. And you never you made know? a movie at that point either. I was so, and that's why I couldn't ask them if I could do it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, I was, you know, I, I couldn't, in fact, I was talking, when I was talking, one time, uh, I was in Las Vegas for Punk Rock Bowling, I ran into Mike, and he pulled me aside, and we went to his Punk Rock house, and he kind of did this thing where he uh, was, I could think, was grilling me, finding out what I was all about. And I, I, I just don't think 
like I think it once he met me and kind of talked to me a little bit, he's like, this kid's a dumbass, but he's coming from a good place where he could feel that I was not like trying to, you know, capitalize on their thing, if that makes sense. That I was yeah, genuine. Totally. I think I think yeah, hopefully you're they coming like, into it with the heart of it. Right. And when we were talking, he's like, you know, everyone keeps talking to me about this documentary and they're like, why are you letting him do it? And he's like, because he's doing it. <laughs> because he did it. And the guys who did the backstage passports of documentaries had asked him over and over to do a Fat Records documentary. And uh, apparently he kept saying no. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that had to do with the fact that it, it, I had the, the thing I get, the, the vibe I get from Mike is he kind of likes to see how things are going to play out, mm. you know, like kind of set things up and see how they play out. I think, I think my, my audacity, eh? Eh? Hey! <laughs> hey! <laughs> there's those audio engineering jokes we've come to love from Sean Michael Cologne. Uh, I think, I think, I think the sheer fact that I was kind of just had the balls to kind of, or stupidity, to just uh, just try and do something was uh, was why he was kind of like got behind it in a way, um, and I, like, which is I'm very grateful. I mean, I'm I'm forever grateful for the fact that he just didn't shut it down. He could just said no. And if I don't, if Mike wasn't in it, that documentary doesn't happen. You know, if hey. Mike didn't go ahead. Oh no no yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say is like uh, some of the fat fat staff were not I think stoked about it, but I think Mike was like, this is happening. Yeah, and. And so, like, I got the benefit of kind of getting the top person on my side, or at least, you know, not stopping it, you know. And that, 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 that was a lot, man. That was that's a huge that was a huge thing. I mean, it changed my life. Yeah. Did um have you gotten feedback from anyone who's in it or uh, at Fat Rack? Like, were they all positive of it? Oh yeah, I would say the vast majority of. Uh, of uh, in fact, uh, we did a screening. Um, uh, we did a film festival out in uh, San Francisco and all the fat people showed up, uh, Mike and, and Aaron. And Aaron, even though I had sent, uh, uh, you know, some, I, I didn't, they didn't have, they had like almost zero input in the movie at all. Like they, they didn't see the movie until it was done, essentially. And I sent I, Mike a, but I do remember, I remember this is popping in my head that I do remember you saying that you would have included people saying negative thing, more negative stuff about the movie, except there just weren't that many people saying that many bad things about Fat Wreck because they're surprisingly ethical. We put everything somebody said that was negative, we put in the movie. It wasn't that bad. I mean, there's a section there where kind of like, uh, you know, they kind of talk about Mike's, um, you know, drug use and, and flippant drug use and that. And we also put in there like the homogenization aspect from the from the from the propaganda guys they had the worst things to say but they were all still very appreciative you know what i mean and still on the label that's i mean that's i think the you know i go online and the reviews we get fairly positive reviews but the ones that that are negative are like oh it's just a commercial for fat records it's like okay what commercial calls out somebody for their drug use i don't know <laughs> like no. how that how yeah. that how that works but i mean uh, yeah it's a they're the reason I made the movie is because, well, one of the reasons anyway, was that I had worked in that, you know, the, the music industry on that pop side and saw how gross it was and how backstabby and like, I mean, the fact that they, the way that they do business and the, that they didn't have contracts with their bands and like people are, you know, 
That doesn't happen in the music industry. That is a rarity. Fucking people over is what normally happens. Yeah. Like, and so it, it, people are like, oh, it's just a commercial. Like, no, it's like, that's the thing. Like, they didn't fuck people over. And that is an anomaly. And that is what stands out. Um, it's just that some people want, you know, people want Tiger King kind of shit. And I say, fuck that shit. I hate propping up people who are shitty. You know, even if it's just to point at them and laugh, it mm. still pops them up and gives them attention. I don't want to, I want to give attention to the stuff that works. And that has a lot to do with the, my, you know, kind of movies that I want to make. I don't want to make movies about how shitty people are. You know, I want to make movies about when, t- when people, when communities work and it, you know, it, it's, um, it was, I mean, it's, like I said, it was pretty amazing uh, that they let it happen, <laughs> that they participate. I mean, they gave us a huge box of their, all their, like, a lot of that archival stuff, they just had a huge box of that stuff sitting in the back with all these old tapes, and they're like, here you go. You know, wow, that must have been uh, fun. You know, you know uh, it was, it, it was amazing. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny to talk about it now, because it's been, like that whole that whole thing was such a blur. It's like it's it's such a blur. Like I mean, people are like, "How do you make a movie?" I don't know. I don't even know how I made it. It's I just solved problems as we went along, and it's hard to even remember how I did it all. <laughs> I like I, I I say if I would have known what it took to make a movie when I started it, there's no fucking way I would have done it. There's no way because I would have thought that I couldn't do it. <laughs> I would I feel like, that that's way about impossible. this. I, <laughs> I, 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 on a much, much smaller scale, that, that I feel that way about the podcast myself. Of like, oh, just I started it, and then I just didn't quit for some reason, and now here we are. You just keep doing it, like you yeah. know, you, you know, you keep going, and even now, like the, uh, like, um, I have um, two features that are one's uh, been fully shot, and we're in post, and hopefully here in the next couple months, we should have a rough edit. Is that age? Uh, no, it's Lifer. Lifer. Okay, what's that about? That one, I'm sorry, I don't know as much about that one. That one's, uh, that one has, we haven't really announced as much, even though it started before Age of Audio. It's, um, it's called, it's uh, Lifer. It's, uh, it, it's about what does it take to be a modern day working class creative? And it's really hey, about- I think I know someone like that. Yeah, like we know a mm. lot of people like that. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, it, it's about all the support systems it takes for creative work to get done at the working class level. It's about the family, the communities. The, oh, God. Um, if you, are you familiar with the band of Wilhelm Scream? Oh, I am. Yeah. Um, a side, sidebar, when I was like 18 or 19 with uh, his name, now he runs Manic Productions, I had booked a show, one of the shows, I booked a show um, and with Smacking Isaiah. It was the end of the tour, Smacking Isaiah. And right before, right before they changed uh, Wilhelm Scream, I, they're like, they're from here. They're from like New Bedford. Um, yeah. Oh, you're in New Bedford? I, I'm in Warwick, Rhode Island, but that's only like 30, 40 minutes away. Like, we're, let, we're, me, we're, let me take this I, up. I grew up in Swansea, which is 15 minutes from New Bedford. Oh. I spent, I spent uh, almost a we month. Mortals. In New, I almost spent a, a month in, in New Bedford. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, I wish I would have reached out. I wish I, I, wish I did no, yeah, well, about two years ago, we shot uh, a movie like with with uh, it. The main subjects are the Wilhelm Scream guys, even though it's not a Wilhelm Scream documentary. It, Did you like, get any of the All About guys in there? All About Records? I don't know if that would have ever come across. They might be gone by now, but they, that was probably one of the early, early labels that had uh, Russ on here way back when. 
but we talk about uh, uh, Smacking Isaiah and, and uh, it's, it's those guys and uh, we filmed a lot of stuff. In fact, I might even send you a little something so you can check it out. Oh, fuck a, it. If, you, if, if, you, if the Whale Museum's not in there, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> we, I, w- I was there when they uh, painted that building. The Moby Big Off. <laughs> unfortunately, it, it's not because we were, we wanted to. We couldn't get her, like, her, like we couldn't make it happen. We tried. Oh, I was only teasing. Uh, but it, it's happy to cool that you actually, for someone from Texas, would go to New Bedford and actually try to find a way to put in a documentary. I think that's why your work speaks to us. That's- oh, wait, wait yeah. till you see this, man. You're going to know all these spots. We shot, we actually shot, like, in the bay there in New Bedford and sh- uh, for opening shots. Uh, really? And, um, and uh, we filmed all in New Bedford. We actually went out, we actually did... Um, because the guitarist Mike lived uh, in Detroit, so we went up to Detroit. We went up to Canada. Um, oh my God! I cannot wait uh, to see the, this. And uh, we also had uh, Jenny Cotterell is in it from Bad Cop, Bad Cop, because she's one of the other subjects. Because um, it's not just about Wilhelm Scream. It's about it's yeah. It's, it, it's not about them as a band per se. It's about like them doing creative work and all the different people and like the skate community there, no problemos in it a lot, you know, like, um, oh, fuck, um, amazing. um it, it's, it, it's, and while we were there, I'm not sure if, how much you know about Wilhelm Scream. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I'm a pretty big fan. Okay. So you know that their guitarist left Mike. Oh no, I have, I, cause I just listened to Nuno on, uh, this was the scene. It was probably the last time I kind of did a little deep dive on them. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he left uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago. And while we were filming, he was in the process of leaving. And it's our, it's, we got, we were in the middle of all that. And, and then filmed afterwards as well, uh, the aftermath. So we got a, there's a, lot, a little bit of a tension going on and like some interesting stuff. It, it, there's, a, there's a little bit of a, I don't want to spoil it for you. So there's a little bit of a twist there uh, with Mike, um, and um, we talked to their parents. We talked to everyone's parents. Um, Nuno's kid uh, is in it. Brixton's in it. Uh, like uh, it's really like I'm. I'm hoping when it comes out, like mo- a lot of people will be able to relate um, to the to the subject matter. Um, it's uh, and that's fully shot. That's all done. We've been editing it now for off and on for the last two years. Um, um, and the thing is, is like Age of Audio popped up around the same. So it happens. So I'll, I'll give you the story of Age of Audio. And we can talk about that. Please do. I'm so excited for this. Yeah. I, oh, I'm, my God. This is so I'm, cool. I, I, I've got so much to talk about. I'm, I'm looking at the cast list right now. And I'm. I'm... <sighs> so Roman Mars. Please continue. Roman Mars. <laughs> did... Just a good way to start. <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> well, he did the pull quote on our uh, on the DVD for a fat wreck. Uh, oh, on awesome. the back on the on the back of the DVD, it's uh, you have the DVD. You're talking. <laughs> uh, this is my podcast so, for the next thirty seconds. I know he's doing something so crazy. Is he gonna pull out? A, what's gonna happen? This is so the tension is building. Like <laughs> he's gonna pull out. His, he probably didn't. Even, he didn't look at the back of the DVD. <laughs> Get the camera right now. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, my dude, I, I'm I'm looking at this list. There there are so many names that I would die to talk to on here. Um, I, I'll just go through a, a few of my favorites. Kevin Smith, obviously, on this podcast is a is a huge huge pull. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins is is podcast 
gold to me. Um, I watch, I listen to every episode of the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Um, I will never make it to Largo with the Coronet because I'm on the wrong ocean. Um, but just still going down the list. Scott Ackerman, Aaron Mankey. Um, I know I'm saying this wrong, but I've, I've listened to her podcast before. Shireen Lana Younes. Um, what is she Jesse Thorne. Um, is I know I've listened to her either on the Daily Zeitgeist oh, or ambis- some other. Oh, Ethically Ambiguous? Is yeah. that yeah. Yes, Ethically Ambiguous. Yes, I love a lot you. of those podcasts, yeah. Oh, by the thank way, um, I'm holding the DVD of, of Fat Rack in front of me. Oh, yeah, by the way. And nice. That's no DVD. That's a Blu-ray. Blu-ray. You, and you went both. All out. It's, actually, it's actually both. It's got a Blu-ray and a DVD inside of it. Confirmed. It uh, shot beautifully. It really reminded me of the way I created my own label, Roman Mars, founder of Radiotopia, 99% Invisible Podcast. Let's just start oh, out. Yeah. That's more fact-checking than uh, most major news networks. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was when the movie came out, I was listening to a lot. Of, I'm a big podcast guy, obviously. And I was listening to, I was going through for the second time all of the 99% Invisible episodes, and I just picked up on, he made a crass reference, and he makes these little tiny punk rock references. And so I hit him up on Twitter. I was like, hey, I made this punk rock documentary and I think you might be into it. And that pull quote actually comes from uh, his, after he watched the movie, he sent me a message, a very nice message on, on Twitter with his like kind of his feedback. And I uh, ended up at, later asking him if I could use some of that for our pull quote. And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, so, so I kind of knew Roman, not real well, but I knew he knew my work and he was kind of cool with it. And there's a podcast called 20,000 Hertz. I'm not sure if you guys have heard that one. If you I've heard that one. It's like, it's like 99% Invisible, but for audio. It's, you're, you're very lucky to not have heard of it because now you can go listen to every episode. It's super well produced. Uh, it's really awesome. And I actually, because there was an episode that 20,000 Hertz did about the sound of Wilhelm Scream. And so I, oh. we were, and, uh, and he, at the, uh, he was based out of Baltimore at the time. So, um, and we were kind of going to be in the area. So I hit him up. And so we did an interview with him and we both know Roman. So uh, in, in a course of a conversation, he's like, why aren't you doing a podcast documentary? No one's really done a real big one on the new, this kind of, this kind of docu, like these kind of podcasts. And I was like, why don't I not do one? So I actually hit Roman up again. I was like, hey, Roman, if I did a podcast documentary, would you be interested in participating? like sure thing you know i'm down and so i kind of had put that in my back pocket thinking i'll finish this lifer movie and i'll have this podcast documentary that i can maybe move on to but at south by southwest a couple years ago uh ended up uh running into i was down there i'm in dallas so austin i usually go down there you know i don't really ever buy a, a pass or anything i should go down there there's all kind of events going on punk rock especially um and I ran into my sales agent, who's my good friend, uh, Jeff Clark. And we were chatting. I was telling him about the Lifer doc. He's like, oh, that sounds really cool, man. Sounds cool. He's like, you got anything else you're working on? I was like, well, I got this potential podcast documentary. Uh, and Roman Mars said he would do it. And he was like, he knew who Roman Mars was. He was like, he did? He's like, dude, I can probably get some money for that. Um, I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. Let's, okay, let's talk about that. The next day at South by was a PRX meetup. I've been to the one Uh, in Boston. And so I went into that meetup 
and I ended up running into Julia Shapiro and uh, um, uh, Chris Bannon, who now works at Stitcher and, uh, and a few other people. And within 20 minutes, I had pitched all of them on this podcast documentary. And I had the fact that Roman had said yes, and they all, you know, almost everyone in podcasting adores Roman. So they were like, we're cool. Yeah, we'll help you out, you know. So within 20 minutes, within two days, I had gone from not making a podcast documentary and just having it as an idea to um, basically having access at some pretty high levels. Uh, and yeah, man, from, from there, I just kind of rolled with it. And the more people, the cooler people I got, the more other people were interested in being involved. Um, I, the Kevin Smith story is probably the best story. Did you know we were going to ask you that? Because I'm <laughs> such a huge Kevin Smith fan. He's like a dream guest for us. Uh, I'll tell you, that guy is probably the hardest working motherfucker I've ever met. And high all the time. High all the time, yes. Oh, because, uh, oh yeah, that's right. You know, because you did Chuck and Brad during this gap. I actually just, I didn't meet Chuck and Brad till after, even though we both live here. Like, we're all right. in the same area. I didn't meet, I didn't even, we were both doing podcasts uh, opposite of each other, the same state without knowing about each other for many years. Then much yeah. longer. But, you know, because Chuck works with, uh, what's his face? The Tell him Steve uh, Katz. Dave yeah, Katz. The Tell him Steve Dave. Yeah. That's right. He's a, hard, he's a hard worker too, man. That guy does a lot of hard work. Oh, yeah. Um, so basically we had scheduled interviews. There's a lot of kismet stuff that happened with this uh, age of audio thing too. I mean, it's actually quite crazy. Um, but we were out in California uh, filming at uh, the Max Fun Con uh, up in uh, for, with Jesse Thorne and all those guys. Um, and uh, the McElroys? We, I didn't meet the McElroys, uh, unfortunately. Uh. Uh, That's the only person that I've met that you haven't that I can brag about. And you, you'll kick my ass everywhere else. <laughs> I, I mean, it's all, I mean, people are people, man. It's all, yeah. it's all great. Except I people that are tired. And plus, and, and let's, let, let's remember, these are podcasters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, take it all back. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, even with Ira Glass, like, they're, like, Ira Glass is real, real popular within podcasting. But outside of podcasting, no one knows who Ira Glass is. It's, it's Did you ever like, hear his, his story about that on This American Life when they tried to parody in him on SNL and they basically like, no, you're not famous enough? <laughs> right. No. I mean, I've told yeah. people, like, I've had things like, oh, like, Ira Glass, they're like, who's that? I was like, It's American Life. They're like, what? I've never heard of that. Um, I've had people don't know who Kevin Smith is. So, you know, yeah, I mean, no, it's, but that actually makes me hopeful because, like, you know, people like that for all the stuff they do, it's like, all right, maybe I can make a career path out of this when, and still never get close. At, Household name is not even like, it's not the thing I need to do. You no, just gotta you, you don't, have your you niche. Don't, yeah, I mean, it, it, now more than ever, you can carve out a niche. Like, that's the thing now. You don't have to. It's a, it's, it's like kind of a 10,000 fans situation, you know. Um, well, we can, let's do that. We can get that, Will, right? Ten, yeah, well, if you have 10,000 fans, if you have 10,000 true fans that'll pay, you know, it's that music thing, 10,000 true fans that'll pay at least $100 a year for your stuff, that's $100,000. It's more than I make. All in theory. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I'll be rich. I, you'll be rich. Um, so, so what happened was we were down, and I'm a huge fan of Kevin Smith, and I've been listening to the the pod, you know. Um, the which Batman I had to ask you, which one, because he's got smart. What, what, what is your go? I'm a big Fat, fat Man Beyond. Fat Man Beyond. Fat Man, fat man on Batman, hence now Fat Man Beyond is the thing that got me. That's Same. the one that I, and so I went, um, this is a great story. I love this telling story. So 
So we're in town. I went ahead and bought tickets because I just wanted to go anyway. And what I did was I figured I knew from the format of the show is that when they do the Q&A, he signs stuff. And usually he comments on the stuff that's being signed. You know what I mean? He makes a comment. And usually the stuff that people up are his stuff. So I brought a Blu-ray with me. You know what I mean? And I figured I put a little note on it. We went, we went in, we, I put it up there. We went to the, the, the show and I put a little note. It's like, hey, I'm working on this podcast. I would love to talk to you at the show. And I, so, and I put it up on the, on the counter there at the skull, uh, Scum and Villainy Cantina. And throughout the, the show, I see him looking at it and kind of like, you know, eyeballing it a couple times because it, it's just not his stuff. So he's going to kind of stand out, you know. And I'm like, oh, shit, we might get a mention on the Q&A. I might even get to go up and talk to him about it. Oh, shit. Um, when they got to the Q&A, they're like, we're going to do something a little different today. And I was like, oh, fuck. And they're like, we have some special guests. It's, uh, uh, it's the writers of Infinity War. <laughs> okay, listen to that episode. Marcus McFeely. <laughs> yeah. No fucking <laughs> way. <laughs> so, so they were there. And, but they didn't really do the Q&A, right? And so I'm like, I'm, I'm, at the same time, I'm like crushed, but I'm also super excited because I'm a huge, huge Marvel fan. Yeah, uh, I'm wearing a Chichala really t-shirt. <laughs> nice. Uh, we were, you know, really excited to like see them. Um, and like, that was so cool to, that they were there. But what happened was Kevin and, and, and uh, uh, Marcus and McFeely, they switched places. And so Kevin wasn't behind the thing. And what happened, it was, he had already signed all the stuff. So people had all grabbed all their stuff. And our Blu-ray was just sitting there, you know. And what happened was at the end of the show, Kevin, he didn't go back to his normal spot. And so what happened was he ends up leaving through this sideway to the bar and to the back because, you know, so people can't follow him and that kind of thing. And he leaves the Blu-ray there. And so I'm like crushed. I'm like, we missed it. We missed our opportunity. Like, fuck. And I'm like, fuck that. There's a, there's a, uh, a fucking, um, it's just a, it's just an alley behind the bar. So I'm going to run back there and go, you know what I mean? So I'm like, fuck it. So I run back there. Doo, 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 doo. And I've done this before. They're like sitting in a little, they're like in a circle of chat, you know, circle talking. And so I just kind of saunter up doo, 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 and I don't say anything. I'm not like, Hey, Kevin, I just, my philosophy is like, just kind of get in a circle and just kind of be there, you know, and don't really call much attention to yourself. Right. Mm. So I can start maybe chat or maybe kind of get a word in, you know, but I don't get that far. JC, the guy that runs the bar, he's like, Hey man, this is, this is private. And I'm like, okay, cool. I get you. So I come back around and my producing partner, Joel, he's over there talking to Marcus and McFeely, having a chat. They're talking <laughs> about like, you know, and so I walk up and he's like, hey, I grabbed the Blu-ray. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. He, I know he saw it. So if I go and show it to him, maybe he'll, you know, so I, I, I take it and I go peek around the corner to see if Kevin's still there and he's fucking gone. But there's this vehicle next to me and it's nav this navigator and the window rolls down and I hear Kevin Smith's voice and he goes, hey, is that for me? Oh. And I'm like, uh, actually, yeah, this is for you. He's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I meant to grab that. I saw it there. 
And so uh, I hand him the Blu-ray. He's like, hey, I'm a director. This is my first movie, A Fat Wreck. You know, it's blah, blah. I was like, but hey, I got, I got something for you. We're doing this documentary about, uh, about podcasting. And I would really love to talk to you about Smodcast and the early days and how you, you know, um, you, one of your first sponsors was uh, Fleshlight and all that stuff. He's like, oh, laugh. He's like, yeah, man, I'm down. Let's do it. So, like, that's how I got Kevin. I mean, there's, it took a, about a year to get the interview locked in. And, and, but um, but he, he did it, man. He fucking did it. it, was, it was and fucking, you got Marcus McFeely out of it. Yeah. <laughs> totally cool guy. So down to earth. My hey. biggest takeaway where they were like, oh, yeah, we don't know. We're just writing. We don't know what's going to happen with Endgame. We're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we wanted to break all of your fucking collective hearts at the same time and poke no, you they're... in a pile of mush. Like, they were just, you know, it's just, they were just so cool. And uh, Kevin was uh, very cool. And we did the interview. Like, I realized he, like, the day we did the interview here, we did here in Dallas, and while they were doing the tour of the Jane Silent Bob Strike Back movie, I mean, uh, reboot. The reboot Roadshow? Reboot Roadshow. And um, they agreed to do the interview, 30 minute interview. And that's when I realized that uh, he's so busy, man, because they show up, they fucking. Like he does, they get everything ready. He does a pre-show thing, right? And then he gets about, you know, maybe an hour before he has to get back up there and do like a, you know, Q and A for an hour, and then a meetup for a little bit for a little bit where he signs stuff and does that kind of stuff. And then did he did two screenings that day, so he had to do the whole thing again. And so he only had maybe that thirty minutes to go smoke weed before he did our interview, and then he had to get up there. And I stayed till the end. So everyone went home basically and he stayed there till 3 a.m and the next day they had three screenings up in oklahoma so they were gonna have to drive up to oklahoma and do three screenings where he has to do open up Jesus. open up do a, a q a afterwards and do meet and greets for about you know two to three hours afterwards that guy works his balls off and earns everything that he gets and i have nothing but respect for that guy I went to that when it came to Rhode Island, uh, Providence. Did you go to that, Will? We didn't know each no, other yet at that time. No, we didn't know each other. I uh, I was still in, in full-on uh, working sales mode at that point. I actually I went to that, and then on the way there, my poor wife um, had gotten sick, so she couldn't go, like, like not even like, in front of the venue. So I, I was like, I'll just drop me off, and I'll just, like, get figure out my own way home. But I had took in my edible. I took about 50 milligrams of edibles. And so I was just sitting, um, sitting there by myself playing on my phone and I get a text from fucking Chuck and it's a picture of me just sitting there at my phone. And I look over and he had been, him and Brad and his crew across the other side of the theater, like, you know, fucking with me. Cause it was awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Probably one of the funniest things I've ever, I was like, uh, but yeah, it was great. Oh, I gotta say this. Uh, so Ira Glass, I actually met him while we were shooting Lifer in, really? in Brooklyn. So I met him, uh, separate from the age of audio movie it was before it was even an idea yet basically um i met him because uh some friends a friend of mine who's also friends with the wilhelm scream guys uh is actually he's a punk rocker he uh he um he actually plays in a band and his uh his uncle is ira so i was actually at a papa gandhi show and i met ira there and we were we hung out like like not just like meet and greet kind of thing we were hanging out chatting and talking about like punk rock and the movie that i was making and like 
we went to another location because Wilhelm was playing in Brooklyn that same night. So we, he, they, Ira also went to the Wilhelm Scream show. Right? I don't know. My head is not oh. handling this information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how did these things... <laughs> what? <laughs> right? This and you, you were there? So you have these insane stories, but thank God you're someone who is uh, gifted with a camera to show it to us. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean that was that was prior to the the, uh, the Age of Audio documentary. I, yeah, I but, didn't actually I didn't actually hit up Ira about the Age of Audio documentary until we were already kind of well into it, kind of being established. That's, that I mean, like you 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 have these like you're, you're crossing paths with like the right people and then not asking for the shit. You're not trying to take advantage of them and then like turning it into a thing that you'd eventually in this weird way. Like even like the thing with Fat Mike, you had Fat Mike's email and then that eventually evolved into a documentary for everyone, which it seems to be like, you're, you're a share. It's great. Uh, and we're, we're lucky to have you. Cause that's, I, I still can't get over that. Oh my God. Wait, Wilhelm <laughs> scream and Ira glass, like in the same sentence. I have like, I think we have video footage uh, <laughs> some of him. Cause I think I caught him in one of the crowds at one of the, was he moshing like, to like, um, I tried to think, I can't remember. One of their, my favorite songs of theirs uh, was off their early record. Uh, what is it? Uh, the way to a uh, oh my god, a way through a girl's heart is through her boyfriend's stomach. <laughs> ever, it, it's like a cartoon. And then I think the song is called September 9th, which they also did September tenth on the later album for all benefits of thinking out loud. But fuck, I love that band. All right, that's it. We're getting Nuno on the show. I I think we can make that happen. I know you can make that happen. Yeah, I'm he's sure not far. Well, I mean, do you know him? Not personally, but. It wouldn't. I know people who know him. It wouldn't be improbable. And he's local. I, mean, I I could vouch for you. All right, there it is. That's actually how I got everyone. Because I I actually just um I just had Griffin Newman on. That's coming out in a little bit. But he did uh Masters of the Universe with Kev with Kevin oh, Smith. Fuck yeah, man. Also said the same thing. Just like the hardest working, nicest human being that it's unexpected of of like it's just like oh I mean he's speaking punk- of podcasts, he's punk rock man. I mean, yeah, every, in a sense, every like, so often he'll drop a, like a punk rock knowledge thing. Uh, never like our era because he's like older than we are. But that, right. like, like every so often he'll start saying something. Like he kind of got like, and you're like, huh. I mean, even more. I don't even mean like music. I mean more like a philosophy of things yeah. like D- DIY, do yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 the people around him are a lot of punk rockers. And in fact, like when we did his interview, in, uh, in at the Texas Theater. Like we kind of needed to like get into a spot where they were kind of doing the, the uh, the meet and greets, and the first thing I noticed is the guy uh, Josh, uh, the guy that works with them, does all his videos and stuff. Like I noticed he had like a punk rock vest on, so I was like sauntered over. I was like, "Hey, do you like a Fat Records?" <laughs> I mean, he's like, "Yeah." I was like, "I directed the Fat Rec doc," <laughs> and he was like, and so we became fast friends. And he was actually like all of a sudden an advocate for us and helping us. And he's like, oh, you need some lights? Do you need this? Do you need that? And like, uh, I still, I mean, still communicate with Josh now. Like, I consider him a friend. Um, so cool. It's, re- it's really like, you know, I think it's, I think people can sense when people are genuine. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, I, and like, and, t- and also it's, if you, it's, it's, I don't, it's not like a, a strategy, but it's almost like you have to make it hard to say no, make it easy to say yes. So like Ira Glass, like if I have all these other people already and I'm not like going, leaning on him to like try and get the movie made 
and he's, you know, and he sees all this kind of stuff going on. Plus he's met me before, you know, and I wasn't asking for anything. You know what I mean? I did think I asked him to go to lunch and he laughed at me, but <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't even go to lunch with my friends. Like, okay. <laughs> it never hurts to ask. Uh, that's so funny. I just, I'm wondering how much of a memorable night for Ira Glass that was. Like, how often does he had a propaganda Wellham scream show in Brooklyn? So that must have been also a memorable moment for him. Unless well, that's his regular. Uh, no, no, it, it's because his nephew. Um, yeah, yeah. His, his nephew, like, plays in a bunch of punk rock bands, and I think he goes, he's gone to a couple of shows with him and stuff like that. And like, that's I, so I, cool. I, it's great. I mean, all that stuff, all that stuff, all that stuff is, is like, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's like when I'm telling you guys about it, it seems so crazy. <laughs> like as, it, as you move around in your life, it, it, you know, you get so wrapped up in all the stuff that you're doing. It doesn't like, like, that's not, I'm like, oh, it's so crazy. Cause like you meet these people and they're all trying to do their thing. And it's it, everyone's just people like even Kevin, you know, like he knows all those people. He knows so many famous, he was like referenced in a Marvel movie. Yeah. And still that, you know, that guy, it, it's, you know, he, he doesn't act like that. He doesn't act, he, he acts like a fan. He is a fan and I'm a fan, you know what I mean? Like, and you're a fan, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we're all fans. And, yeah. and like, just because I've like, I've met some interesting people that I, I'm gl- like, that I'm glad you guys know who those people are and we can appreciate it and like be stoked about it. Like to tell you, I met, to tell you guys, I met Ira Glass at a propaganda show blows your head. And, yeah. then, and then I tell that to somebody, they're like, who and what? <laughs> you made a who and a what now? <laughs> propaganda. Propaganda? I were gla- a glass propaganda? Like uh, Philip Glass, the composer? Oh, the, oh, oh, I love that. Do- you made that documentary about Philip Glass. Is that correct? And you're like, no, this is taking a turn. <laughs> so, um, I mean, uh, and, you know, the whole rest of the, you know, uh, that's the other thing, you know, I, I think the other thing about how I was able to make these documentaries happen is I'm tapping into communities that are really connected and, and, and genuine and, and it's not full of a lot of big egos and it's not all about money and all that kind of stuff. It's about people who make stuff and they do the stuff that they love to make. And I find so many parallels to the punk rock community with uh, the podcasting. I like to say that podcasting is like punk rock without the heroin. <laughs> not yet. Shows what little you know. All right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's... Uh, I, you know, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I totally a, feel that. It's a tight-knit community, and the people who do it, like, really love, like, what they do and, and uh, you know, are doing it for, for usually the right reasons. You know, like, it's like anything. You can't say... It's not, no blanket statements, but... And, and you know, and, and Roman, I think, has vouched for me on it with a couple people that, like, that I hit up, and I was like, hey... And that they, like, they've hit Roman up. It was like, hey, is this fucking colon guy okay? Uh, and they're like, yeah, he's, he's a cool guy. You know, he's, he's, he's a little hyper, but, you know, he's, he's coming from a good place. I think yeah, that, that, that... You've explained me. <laughs> <laughs> also very hyper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but like, and like you, you're, I mean, I, I, I think I like you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and I follow the stuff you do and I, you know, and Will, so I like, cool. when, when I saw the artwork that you made, you know, I didn't know it was you. I know it, I can connect the face with the artwork now. Yeah. But when oh, I, thank you, man. When Chris posted that Game Boy stuff, I was like, that shit's fucking rad. God, I blew oh, my mind man. too. I have the, the worst imposter syndrome, of, in particular of the three 
um, little advertisements I made about that Game Boy one, and I see nothing but imperfections with it. That seems to be the one everyone loves. Oh, so I, I'm just going to follow everyone's lead <laughs> on that one. But no, it, it, ev- essentially, everyone's I'm glad an everyone imposter, loves it. bro. Everyone's an imposter. It takes that's, like that's six, six, it takes about six or seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Does it? I, I, Once I, you're not I, an I, imposter, you're a sellout. Well, but the reason I only can say that now is without uh, two of the leads. I did EMDR therapy, which is like the same results of like micro. Without doing it, it's 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 essentially the same stuff as doing like microdosing. It's all right. acts the same part. So it's just like my. It's just like really rapid. It's like really very rapid fast therapy that I finished. So like I had this out of this very straight, positively strange experience that I for the first time in my life now feel confident. So and that and oh, that's that, awesome, man. That's why it that's took about so six great. years. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fucking awesome. And um, I mean, I I I have my confidence comes from the fact that I think I can figure I can figure it out. That doesn't mean I know how to do it. It doesn't. Yeah. Mean, it's just like when I've been put into situations, like I've been able to mostly figure things out. And so my confidence comes from the uh, my confidence comes from the fact that I know that everyone else doesn't is lacking confidence. <laughs> like no one knows. What, I had this epiphany when I was twenty five. I think. It's like no one knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> right? Nobody. Nobody. Literally. Nobody has everyone's just trying to figure it out. And once and, and the people who act like they know what they're doing, like, are, are the most insecure. Like Yeah. And well, I- and and so like I've been lucky. I, I'm I'm lucky that I have uh, I'm hyperactive and I have a lot of energy and I have, you know, some mediocre skills that I've been able to put, you know, and I, I've also been able to rally people, really talented people. To, to help me with uh, the cool stuff that I try to make. And that's why the Fat Rec Doc is a lot of cool people making cool stuff. Who shit. is your editor on that? I have to give compliment to everyone. I mean, everyone, that documentary is fucking flawless, but uh, editing is the thing that makes or breaks that no one really ever pays attention to. But it is so seamless, the way you tra- that your editor transitions from when you talk from band to band and they that's do me. all this stuff. Uh, oh, that was you. I, should, I, mean, you know, was a- I should have just looked down, right? There's a there's a team of editors at, like it's a process that went through, but uh, such a good job. It was me and Justin Wilson. He's also the guy that did the um, filmage documentary, and obviously Greg, who had we got to interview, fucking wrote out a beautiful narrative. You all so, did such an incredible job in this documentary. So it, it, it was a team effort, but uh, all the final editing, all the like nuance, like I, I did like all the final passes, if that makes sense. I, I remember when I was talking too was that we were both huge Simpsons and Futurama fans. It, it's so weird. It's been so long. And I had never listened to that episode since I edited it. But like, I remember you telling me now, oh, that's sorry. That was such a strange moment. Cause like, you know how memory, it just like popped out of me. Yeah. I had like a flashback of my old apartment. That was like three apartment. That was before I had kids. That was before my daughter was born. Um, that you were such a fan of Futurama because they make, they write jokes that only like a hundred people would know. And I remember you had the preview and that was like part of your thing. And I was like, all right, a Simpsons fan making a fat wreck. And like, no, I, I just feel like it's so, it's so obvious in your work when like within the fat wreck. And I, I'm so excited to see the, the other two documentaries you're coming well, out. I'll, te- I'll, I'll tell you this. The Lifer doc is, it's like, it's going to be the, I don't want to say the opposite of uh, a fat wreck, but it, the editing is much slower. It's, like it, the pacing is, is is more drawn out. It's a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more chill. There's going to be like string instruments. We I, I have um. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the guy on Twitter, um, Instagram and stuff like the punk cellist. Have you seen that? 
It's the guy, no. he, he, he does, he takes like punk rock songs and does, uh, Will, did you raise your hand? Do you have a question? I just saw that just now. I, I will in a minute. I was, let it, I was letting you finish. That's what uh, she said. Well, we're, we're like we've, we've converted like the, the, the Wilhelm, like you probably won't hear Wilhelm screams like music in there like traditionally. Uh, we, I've, uh, I've been working with um, the punk cellist to do string, string <coughs> versions of the Wilhelm songs. So it's, oh, that's gonna be dope. So it's gonna have a much different vibe, and, and, and intentionally, I, I, I like it. Doesn't have puppets. It's it's really a lot more. Uh, it, it was shot beautifully. We really focused more on uh, on uh, really not leaning on any gimmicks because there's such a personal story on this one. Whereas like everyone yeah. was very honest, and the characters in it. When I say characters, I mean the guys. Everyone was everyone was so genuine, and you just fall in love with Nuno and like their like his wife and like the parents oh my gosh like seeing people's parents and then seeing them is just such a great treat you know because you see all the little quirks and you see all the so so there it's 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 gonna be hopefully like something that's a complete something visually different something pacing different just a, a, a just a, a different like more personal I think it, more so than than the Fat Rec Doc, which is kind of, you know, it's about a record label and a bunch of different bands, so it's not going to be as personal as, like, we, li- we basically lived with the Wilhelm Scream guys for, like, a month. Like, oh, we stayed, so we cool. literally stayed with them at their houses. Like, wow. we, we, yeah, to save money. <laughs> like, because uh, we, we drove out there and, like, we stayed with, with, with them. Like, we stayed with each, mostly each member for about three to five days. Um, and really got to know. I mean, I consider those guys very good friends. Like I'm, like very close with them. That's and so cool. I know more about them and their families than they do. You know. Yeah. Um, Would you say it's like um, this is your Jurassic Bark? J- Jurassic Bark, yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it'll be as sad at the end. I know. I just, I, I just, I, I just knew that you were like the only two people out there that might probably understand that reference. <laughs> I mean, it's right. a, like it's like it's more uh, like, about death, but you know, the, the, like the we all love The Simpsons because it's funny, but like it's those like um like the episode like the the the, the heartstring episodes that I connect right. with the most, like uh, James L. Brooks essentially. It's like that James L. Brooks uh, heart, not less wacky. Yeah, I, I actually yeah. believe it or not, I'm more of a grounded in reality. Like King of the Hill is actually probably my favorite because of that. Oh, I love King of the Hill. I went I, when it hit on Hulu. That, I went through it like three same, times. Same thing. It just. <laughs> I, I'm, but so I'm really excited for Lifer. This is just going to be, I'm, I'm so excited to see whatever you, I'm so excited I'm, for that to come me out. Me too. I can't wait to see it. I have a, I have an editor that's helping me with that as well. Um, I've, I, and, and with uh, Age of Audio, there's an editor. Like, I, uh, because Age of Audio has an actual budget, we actually got money. Uh, we're working, it's, uh, that's legit. That's got Hollywood. Hollywood. Oh, I'm on the IMDb page. Good oh, sir. really? Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. Oh, you, you had Paul Te- you had Paul F. Tompkins. You had, I mean, you yes. literally had everyone I've been listening to in comedy podcasts for the last like ten years. Yeah, What's and it? I actually, gen- gentlemen, go ahead. Oh, Wait, not it's your to, turn. Uh, not to, yes, it's finally my turn. Not to um, disrupt the uh, the podcast industry or anything like that, but uh, I'm quickly going to jump in as a producer and schedule a little format change. I'm going to personally have to leave for uh, in a few minutes. Um, and I had a few lightning round questions that I wanted to ask you. Oh, let's, let's do, do this. this. This is fun. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, we're going to have a name for this lightning round eventually, because any podcast that I'm on that Chris is talking, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I've got a joke I want to tell. I've got a question I want to ask. And this is going to be my small uh, podcast within a podcast, if you will. John, you're the uh, guest. Do you want to give if, the name? No, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm writing it down. Well, the, the, <laughs> well, the joke I originally will, came up with... If, if, if there's a will, there's a way to do this podcast. Yes, absolutely. All right. So are you ready? I've got uh, my first question for you. So uh, you spoke to uh, podcasting darling Jesse Thorne. Um, did you get him, first of all, did you get him on video or just on a call? No, we went to his, we went to the Max Fun headquarters. All right. All right. So does his body physically glow? Because I get that sensation when I hear him speak. It's not visual, but you sense it. Okay. Uh, that's what I thought. Um, you spoke to Josh Clark as well? Oh, um, yeah. just a shout out. Uh, Jesse Thorne of the Jordan Jesse Go and um, uh, Judge John Hodgman podcast. Uh, huge fans of both. Um, on to Josh Clark of the um, How Stuff Works. Uh, crap. <laughs> How Stuff Works. Stuff, stuff you should, you should know. know. Yes. Stuff That's you something know. that you uh, should have known. Yes. No, it, right? <laughs> I, I, listen, I listened to all of them. It took me a second. I, <laughs> I, oh, God, I love it. Uh, this is great. Okay. All right. Um, Josh Clark, uh, what was the uh, essence of your conversation? Do you mind uh, pulling that up for us? Uh, we, we sh I mean, we talked about podcasting and their longevity. I think uh, for for reason we want to talk to Josh is because they come from a corporate first podcast that was not like a you know independent podcast and then became like with a network that was actually yeah. started by the network. And we discussed how like how like they've gone through three different corporate overlords and they've been able to do their show and keep it. I think it's a it's almost a counterpoint in the movie to uh, some of the people saying that. Um, you know, whenever money comes in, it, it, it takes away from the independent producer. And I, I felt like they had a, a different perspective. And also, he's just a great, genuine, nice guy. That guy's such a really cool guy. He's, he's fantastic. I've, I've been following him for years. It's, he's one of the, honestly, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about uh, science communication in, in particular. Um, end of the world? You, I'm sure you're an end of the world fan then. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, the audio production on that is amazing. So good. He's so good. <laughs> Fantastic and atmosphere. And we're getting to experience a little bit of it in real time. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I got one final question for you. Okay. Um, I, I also just wanted to mention, for some reason, I wore a shirt today that just says luck across it, um, which I think seems to be a theme with you. When all this is said and done, when in, in another 40 years, when you look back on your uh, filmography, what would you call the documentary about your life? Because I have, <laughs> I have, one, um, I have one suggestion, but I want to hear yours first. Colon explosion. Colon explosion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say... Uh, I was going to go with me, myself, and Ira. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's or a, that's, that's how I met Kevin. Oh, that's a good one, too. 
that that that's that that Kevin story and that Ira story are like like pretty just uh now the Ira one is was pure just pure luck. Like, yeah. Just pure pure luck. But I'm gonna the, disagree the with you and say it was pure insanity. Insanity. I, I that's how I know we're on the darkest timeline. Yeah, like, absolutely. Those two my worlds heart. should not align. Are you are you making a community reference, my man? Uh of course I am. That's okay. why I'm curling the mustache. Oh, are you evil Abed in it? We, my wife and I are, have just rewatched it for the millionth time. That's what we're doing right now, me and my wife are. <laughs> Man, I tell you this, uh, to diverge Ooh. a second, the sh- the, the, like the episodes, like I think season four starts off too wacky, and then they start getting back into like really good. Like, yeah, because Dan Harmon like, gets fired for season four, and it comes back for five. Well, I'm saying in within the season itself, it gets really wacky when Chang is is in charge and when he's like, oh, know, it yeah. just gets so wacky and, and and just way overboard. And I think it's about the time of the eight bit episode, which I think yeah. is just so amazing, where he meets his you know half brother and like after that, they seem to like go kind of like grounded a little bit more. Yeah, and I cause I started getting a little disconnected. I was like, this is just, I mean, it's just ridiculous, and I like ridiculous, but like. Once they started getting back to heart, I, I, I started really, really enjoying the episodes again. And I think that's right about where we're at. So, so I, I hope that was it. Did I answer your question properly? That's, Will? Yeah. No, no. We moved, we moved on. We moved on from the lightning round into talking about community. The moment I knew I loved community was uh, the canon zombie apocalypse Halloween episode. <laughs> I, you know, and here's the, the great thing about, you know, I tell you people about like the connections between like uh, Arrested Development community and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, you got the, the Russo brothers that they, they, I don't know, you probably know this, um, but they got, they got the job. They got the, the um, uh, Winter Soldier because Kevin Feige saw the Fistful of uh, Paintballs episode. On season two? Uh, he, yeah, when he saw that, he reached out to them about doing a Marvel movie. Wow. And that's how the Russo brothers, and also, I mean, I'm sure you know this too, the Russo brothers directed the first episode of uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, I know they're arrested. As well, that, yeah. And, and Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins did, did the May and Egg episode. And eggs? May and Egg. The May and Egg episode. Sorry, from, I didn't uh, see Development. <laughs> Wait a uh, <laughs> Yeah. Her? <laughs> that would have been a perfect her moment. Uh, but uh, side note, that has nothing to do with anything. If you're all Arrested Development fans, the new DuckTales is Arrested Development meets Indiana Jones, and it has Danny Pudi in it. And it, really? I swear to God, it's, it's, I'm not going to lie to you. It is, I, my daughter does not give a shit about it. I watch it by myself. The first, and your dad, the first season uh, finale ends with, like, the boy's mom. There's a scene that, like, I literally, full, like, Don't I tell was, me. Don't tell. I, I won't ruin anything, but before I realized it was PTSD, it fucking destroyed me. But then even watching it now in better mental health, still just like, oh! and then they also are bringing in the uh, Disney Afternoon. So like Darkwing Duck, Chip and Dale were just on the most recent episode. Darkwing uh, Duck is the okay. character. Okay, I'll check it out. You, also, you, 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 I have nothing to do with this show, but I find a way to tell everyone to watch it in every podcast. No, no, that's, that, that's great. That's great. I mean, I, 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 I think the... Like, I, I, also, do you know how Taika Waititi got the job for Thor Ragnarok, right? Oh, I heard the story. He just made, like, a video with a Led Zeppelin song. Is that wrong? No, they had uh, Taika, uh, Kevin Feige saw uh, Taika Waititi's movie Boy. Oh, not the What We Do in the Shadows? Right. He saw Boy, and, and off of Boy, that's why they reached out to him about doing the Thor Ragnarok. 
so our is our hope is that Kai Feige somehow comes across your work and then you do like a Marvel documentary about I mean, stuntmen. I, I do have a. I mean, one of my goals is to do a Marvel movie, but I don't like. I, I'm nowhere near as good as Taika. Taika is just. I mean, Taika's already. Taika's like. If if I Taika's probably my favorite director, because he's he he has that. I love I love his how he doesn't take things too seriously, but there's still serious like emotional moments in his movies. Well, that shows and, in your work, man. That's totally a fat wreck because you, it's really fun and happy and punk rock, but there's enough emotional but, beats to it. And when when our when our film was going through all the independent theaters, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People was playing at a lot of the same time. So I was always like I was in the like I've said this multiple times to myself and out loud. I was like, I want to work with Taika Waititi. That's the guy I want to meet. And it's not because he's famous. It's because it's someone that, that someone that I, it's, you know, representation is important <laughs> and I'm not Maui and I'm not like Jewish, but like that, his type of humor and his, the way he thinks about stuff is so similar to how like, yeah. I am, and to see someone like that get a movie that big, and it be one of the most successful ones and most highly regarded, it's like, oh, there is probably room for me somewhere. Maybe I don't think I'm talented enough to do what he did, but um, he like, I was like, it's possible to make movies like this without being taking to be serious without taking yourself too seriously. You know what I mean? Like. I mean, the one thing that, like, was a rule in the Fat Rec doc is, like, we always undercut any type of serious moment with a joke, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, you, we build it up, and it, it could be a serious moment, and then you undercut it with, with a joke. It's like, hey, we're serious, but, but, like, you can't take anything too seriously because it's, you know, nothing matters. It's like that Bill Murray thing. Like, it just doesn't matter. Nothing matters. So you can't take yourself too seriously. No, I, I feel you, man. Um, before we wrap it up, I, I wanted to ask if you've seen the, um, the Instagram account, I think it's like Simpson X Simpsons X core. Oh, I'll check that out. It's, um, it's someone I don't have, again, nothing to do with it. Just a, just a fan, but it's some, um, I bet, um, some person, I actually don't know who runs it and they just take famous like hardcore and, um, like albums and then add the Simpsons into it. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's like, it, it's made for you. It's just like oh it's made God. for us. And are you, creativity is unbound. Are you looking hey, Will. at it? Will. Yeah, buddy. Will, do you have to go? Um, I've, I've got one more minute since we're, we're wrapping everything up. Okay. Well, hey, man, I just want to thank both you guys for having me on. I, I really oh, appreciate please. it. It was so no. much fun to talk about this stuff. And thank like, you. Like, it makes me remember, like, like, sometimes I forget that I made that movie. I mean, not that I forget that I, I made mean. it but you know I mean like to talk about those stories like I get so wrapped up in the stuff I'm working on and you know feeling like I'm not doing enough like anybody <laughs> and feeling like a loser and and being like oh I, okay I did something that at some point <laughs> oh so we all have that and actually <laughs> and, believe it or not you um you when your episode you were the highest uh downloaded guest of at the time um uh, Travis McElroy actually uh beat you uh sorry but you're up there and I've wanted to have you back on for like four years it's just time in my head, it just takes me a long time to, for, to line things out. I just kept putting it off and putting it off. I was waiting for the doc to come back out around. I was like, I think, you know, we're all insecure as fuck. You're always like, do those people remember me? Because you talk for an hour, then life goes on. But sometimes there's a, Dude, I'm not so only do excited. I, I, not only do I remember you, like, I, like, 
like pay attention to what you're doing. Oh, that you know is so I mean? wonderful. And like, I mean, yeah. and not just not just your creative work. I consider you a friend. So oh I yeah, no, I. I feel like we're the same. I, I'm, as my therapist has, I've learned is I'm a, a lightning rod for emotional connection, <laughs> which <laughs> but I think that's what, what I think that's what helps with your work and what we're doing with Will and I are doing here. It's like it's not about getting a guest because they have the name. It's just here's someone I feel like there's a I want to connect with and they happen to do a cool thing. I mean, like, and I, I like, dude. Anytime someone wants to talk to me, I mean, I, as you can tell, I'm a talker, and most of the time, people are telling me shut up. So, like, any they podcast where they're gonna let me ramble on for a little bit, I fucking love it. Isn't that why we all got into podcasting? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, is there anything that we missed? I mean, I know we covered a lot, but I mean, you had a whole other movie that you made that I didn't even realize. So, <laughs> what else you got in the back of tricks that we missed? And if not, like, where uh, where can people find you online? Well, uh, open ended films is uh, my handle on uh, Twitter and the old uh, Instagrams. Uh, I have a rock and roll band called uh, Nonstarter. Uh, we put out a couple music videos. We have an EP out called Season Stuntman. Uh, it's about failing and getting back up, uh, you know, and having the ability to fail the right way, you know. Um, I've been a musician for a long time. That's probably my, in my mind, my primary thing, but turns out that never really works out how you think it works out. <laughs> Oh, funny. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, I mean that the lifer talk. We haven't really talked a lot about it yet um, because I'm hoping to get it kind of done before we put out any kind of big uh, things about it. Because uh, I want to be able to like put out a trailer and then all of a sudden have the movie come out, hopefully uh, fairly shortly thereafter. Um, but yeah, no. Um, th th thank you. Thank you for like being interested in the stuff that I'm doing and also being like a supporter in the, in the, uh, the traditional sense as, as far as like buying the merch and, and you, you help pay for those things. You know what I mean? Like that, oh, that yeah. means a lot. Such and Will, a Will, you can, you know, you can step up anytime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. No, 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 no. Totally I, I can pick it up at any time. No, I'll wait no. for you to say something about me. <laughs> Will, <laughs> I, I, I think I complimented your artwork multiple times on this podcast. I did. All right. All right. I got, I got an artwork. No, that's, know, this that's is actually, um, this is the first time Will and I have ever recorded a podcast together. Oh, that's cool. We popped your cherry. Yeah. Yes, finally. We're supposed I know to what it feels do like. on Saturday. Uh, but here's what I'll say. Uh, the Fat Wreck Doc is streaming on Amazon Prime. For If you're a Prime member, it's streaming on 2B uh, with ads, which I don't watch movies with ads, so if someone... Like what I've been doing lately is telling, hey, if you don't have Amazon Prime and you don't like watching movies with ads, because I won't do that, uh, they can DM me on our page and I'll send out a private link. You know, it's uh, it's um, what a guy. Um, yeah, especially right awesome. now, especially right now with everything that's going on. Um, well, I mean, it's it, it's like I want people to see it, especially like punk rock fans. I mean, that's what that's. Listen, I made that movie because no one else was making a Fat Records doc, and everyone, was, all these other docs were out there about like like '80s punk rock, where it was all violent and everyone was shitty to each other. And it's like, no, no, like there's a kind of punk rock I grew up with, where people were supported each other and like were conscious of like like social issues and like cared about shit. And like that to me is the kind of punk rock, and that's why I made the movie. And I made the movie that I would have wanted to see if I found out, you know. The Fat Records documentary. So, like, if anyone wants to see it, they should see it. Watch it on Amazon Prime because then I get money from it. 
you know what I mean? If you, if you have Amazon Prime, just play it over and over again because I get paid per minute stream. So, but if you don't have Amazon Prime and or you hate Amazon because I, I know some punk rockers don't like Amazon, like just hit me up and I'll send you a link because it's not about like, I mean, like it's not, I'm trying to recoup. I'm not trying to get rich, but I would, I prefer people to see it. You know what I mean? If anything. I love so, this. So, fuck yeah, man. Chris, you're a fucking badass. Thank you for having me. Will, oh. I'm glad that I got to, uh, I liked your lightning round. I thought it was really cool. So <laughs> definitely do that again on the next podcast. With the, yes, with the when you're doing your next promotion round, oh my God, throw us on your list. And uh, I, like, and when this comes out, send it to me. I'll promote it on everything. Oh, absolutely. We'll do one of these <laughs> one day. We'll get like, uh, even if you're in person or on uh, Zoom or whatever, we'll get uh, Chuck and Brad and Will and I, we'll all, like all five of us and talk for Yeah, do hours. a round table. I, I actually, you know, Chuck, I, I, I connected with him because I saw him, all the awesome stuff he was doing on Facebook. And like when I was out, uh, I did a trip out to, um, to do some follow-up filming for the movie. And I ended up staying with Chuck for a little bit. And we, we hung out. And, oh, that was a cool cat. Really cool guy, hard worker, really talented guy. Um, look at us, like, like, uh, we're promoting Chuck over here. Chuck and Brad podcast, and I met Brad as well. I mean, those guys are really great, and I, I think I did an episode with them. I listened well. to it; it was great. Yeah, no, they they've been very good. To me. They've been super kind. And I'll we say this: I'll say up. this. We'll all hang out. We'll all hang out. Uh, ah. We'll all hang out soon, hopefully, because when we do the premiere of before we do a, the actual premiere, we're gonna premiere the movie in New Bedford. New Bedford. Um, we'll be there. So I'll make sure you guys are there and we'll Boys all back, in town. back when we can all be yeah. together at some point. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Have a good night.